Welcome to Golden Home Fitness Radio, where we're educating and empowering people to live longer, fuller lives, no matter their age. Today we got a special episode as our director of training, Mike Urso, is interviewed on the Think Fitness Life podcast. We've got the full interview here as well as another clip on our station, so I highly recommend you go check that out as well as go check out the Think Fitness Life podcast, putting out a bunch of good stuff. Um, And when you're done with that, make sure you go over, if you haven't already, to goldenhomefitness.com slash ebook to pick up your copy of the Ultimate Guide to Home Workouts, which they'll discuss a lot in the show today. Hope you enjoy. Thank you. We are back with the eighth installment of the Think Fitness Life podcast with your hosts, myself, Matt Gluckman, and Eric Menchie. And today we have a special show for you guys. We're going to be interviewing a former co-worker and fellow trainer, Michael Urso. And I'll dive into a little bit more about him in a little bit, but let's get to our normal routine. We got fitness in the news. I know Menchie's got something good he wants to say. And I got a, a little tidbit I want to talk about. I went to FitCon this last weekend, and there's a lot of cool companies using technology and a lot of innovative ways to help people. And there was this one I came across. It's called BingeBlock. It's called buybingeblock.com, and it assists with sugar addiction. So this spray binds to your sweet taste receptors and basically tricks your brain so that your brain no longer is sending signals to require more sweetness, right? That, that, that's that craving that you continue to have. Uh, and sweet foods aren't as triggering to your dopamine release uh, when you have this in your system when you eat them. So you get less reward on one end and you get less desire from your brain. So, you know, sugar addiction is a true issue. And as easy as it can be to say, just cut sugar out for 30 days. It's not always as easy to get done. I'm sure Menchie can agree with that one. I can get on board with that. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of my clients, you know, as much as we make like one goal to work on through the week that there, there's always something, Oh, you know, well it was Easter and I had a little bit or, well, you know, we, we have these cinnamon bears in the house. So I just picked out like a couple and yeah, it just seems like sugar addiction is, is a true issue. So buy bingeblock.com, check them out, go read how it works. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a, a try here. I ordered up a bottle and I'll be reporting back on it in a couple of episodes. So Menchie, what do you got for us? So I was uh, browsing the uh, the net today and I came across a an article about canola oil and that it actually can lead to Alzheimer's pretty big study was done on mice, uh, but it showed lower levels of dementia fighting protein in the brain. If that level of protein declined, it would show plaque buildup in the brain, therefore leading to dementia and Alzheimer's. Now I also did other research on the web and kind of read into it. And there was a lot of conflicting arguments out there on, is it good? Is it bad? As of right now, I, I haven't kind of made a conclusion to myself yet. Mike, maybe you have a kind of insight on this or opinion, but I think the main idea of the article is kind of switch over to a healthier fat option. Canola oil is not the best option to use. I mean, it could have some detrimental effects. Now, obviously human and mice are completely two different species, but studies are done on mice. So you know, I think consensus might come out later down the road on that one. But I just f- figured a interesting piece of news and kind of get people's mind turning about that stuff and what kind of oils they use. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, actually, because you like said it's more of like the plaque buildup versus it being an issue with like the smoke point. Because, you know, as we talked about in a couple episodes ago, canola oil actually has a really high smoke point. So, You know, it doesn't get that issue where it breaks down the bonds of the oil and makes it more of a trans fat. So, you know, it's interesting, but it looks like the winner still is uh, 
extra virgin olive oil. And then if you're cooking above 350 degrees, you probably want refined coconut oil. So let's move on. And we're going to go ahead and introduce Mike Urso. He's a former trainer that actually both Eric and I had the pleasure to work with for a brief period of time at Franklin Street. But this guy did a mentorship with Mike Boyle at Strength Conditioning, uh, Mike Boyle Gym in, in Boston. Or actually, where is it in Massachusetts? It's not in Boston. It's in, it's in uh, Needle. Woburn. Woburn. Uh, it's about, yeah, Woburn. 20 minutes north of Boston. Woburn. And then he went on to just be his own personal trainer, climbed the ladder, and eventually became um, a tier X manager. It's the highest tier you can get to as a trainer for Equinox. He did that for six, seven years, and then he went on to be one of the leading contributors in a company called Golden Home Fitness, and they made this amazing ebook that has all the information you need to know if you're working out at home, where to begin, how to progress, uh, different things you need to incorporate, and I'm going to let him talk about it a little bit more, but here we go. We got Mike Urso. Welcome. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, the the ebook it's it's uh, it's exciting to talk about because I came from that corporate gym environment for the last like eight plus years, and um, that was kind of the only thing I know. And then you kind of realize when you look at some of the stats of how many people. Um, don't use their gym membership. And when you think about the rates of what they cost on a monthly rate and that people aren't showing up and they're just allowing, you know, their credit card to be charged every month. And it's just amazing to me. Right. Um, And so, you know, what we did was we wrote this ebook for essentially the people who are kind of lost, you know, they're out there kind of just you know, wondering how do I start? They're sitting, you're, they're going home and they're binge watching Game of Thrones mm-hmm. or you know Ozark, which I'm watching right now. Which if you haven't seen, that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty awesome. Um, but you know, they don't really know where to go. They don't know how to start. And um, and and that's kind of you know we put all the information in there for them in regards to eliminating distractions. Um, you know, how often should you be doing this? How can you progress? What if you don't have any equipment? What do you use? You know, can I just use my body? How do, you know, how do I get a quality workout? How could I possibly burn fat doing that and, and actually, you know, build more muscle or get stronger? Um, so we put a lot of those kind of, you know, practical type of tips and tools in there to help people kind of understand you don't need a gym membership and you don't need fancy equipment to get super healthy and super fit. You don't need resources. In other words, you need to be resourceful. You need to find a way to um, make do with what you have essentially. And so we, we tried to do is help direct people with, uh, with some of these tools and tactics and in ways that, um, you know, they, they'll be able to just get started right away with what they already have. Yeah. I really, really like how the first thing you guys talk about is, just sort of setting yourself up for success. I mean, I feel like, cause I, I go to my sister's place in Pennsylvania and they have a little home gym there and we're working out sometimes and always, always, always there's distractions. Our phones are on us or the kids are yelling or my dog's running around. And I, I, I gotta say it's, it's a, it's a good, um, awakening to see that you know what you just really have to do the prep work ahead of time before you just start working out it goes a long way towards getting in a good workout so yeah i I do gotta ask you though how do you get rid of the kids distraction just just lock them up in the dog crate (laughs) the kids well i mean I would say, why not get your kids involved, right? Why don't you try there? There's a lot, you just talked about all the noise coming in, right? We're always distracted with our cell phones, with emails, with all of this information that's continuously bombarding us left and right. Um, and then our kids end up having to compete with that too, right? I have two kids. I've got a two, two and a half and three and a half year old, uh, two little girls. And I find myself sometimes having 
having them or, or, you know, putting them in a position where they have to compete with my cell phone. And it's totally, it's totally unfair. Right. And, um, you know, as a parent, I'm like, it kind of brings me back grounded essentially, but really I would say getting them involved is is probably even more important. I mean, it's a great way for we know that you know what exercise does to a brain to the to a kid's brain, and, and the kids are you know for one are always trying to figure out the world, and you know they're super interested in things. Why not get them involved in being active? You know, kids can't stop moving anyway, so that's that's one thing you could do. The other thing to do would be to coordinate with your with your spouse or your your childcare provider in some way, and uh, and and really kind of. You know, essentially coordinate that time, put it, put it aside and make sure that you have somebody who can either watch them for a little while or, you know, like you said, you don't want to pen them off into a room and just kind of let them have a free for all. And then you come back an hour later and the, and the place is a disaster and drawings on the wall and stuff. So, you know, but I would say <laughs> free, free art, yeah, free art. Getting them involved and also, you know, just making sure that you're planning and planning is extremely important. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea of uh, getting them involved because even if they're not necessarily doing everything right, they're still moving, they're still getting activity, they're still jumping around, they're having a good time, and they get to be with their their parents. So absolutely, uh, Do you, you guys like know what you're familiar with the uh, the Boston Celtics yep. and you know Brian Scalabrini. Yeah, uh, so he used to play for the Celtics. I think he's an announcer now. Um, he you know, he works out uh, at the Lifetime Fitness, and uh, he brings in his kid all the time. And he has him like standing on the sled, and he pushes the sled while his son's on the sled. And then he has him slamming balls and doing box jumps. and And Brian's doing his workout, and his his son's doing like a scaled version of what he's doing. But it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool to see their kind of interaction, and really, it, you know, they're building a better relationship like that. So. Uh, for me, yeah, that's the ultimate way to go is to get them involved in some way. They don't have to do the workout you're doing, but they can do a version of it. Right. And and for you, Mike, I've seen kind of your daughters mess around with kettlebells on uh, the social media bit. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I had my, my daughter was they wanted to first wear little princess dresses. And then, you know, I'm doing just kettlebell stuff in the kitchen, maybe some goblet squats, because I'm always trying to move and do stuff. And uh, my daughter's like, I want to try to pick it up. So she, you know, goes over in her little princess dress and deadlifts for the first time a, a 16 kg kettlebell. And she does Woo! like, a, she does like a rep or two. I mean, mind you, she's 34 that's, pounds. She's that's not body even weight right there. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. One, it's one pound more than body weight. Um, <laughs> I, needless to say, I was a pretty well, proud dad as a point. fitness professional. <laughs> Will they kind of jump in on, you know, certain movements yeah. like jumps and stuff while you're working out, or kind of like hang around, float around, or? Yeah, so I'll do a lot of um, most of what I do at home is a lot of like body weight stuff, and I would say like yoga flows and things like that, or or some more um, you know flowed uh, type of stretching, maybe like animal flow based stuff, and they'll be like crawling on top of me. I'll have her like lie on my back and I'll do some push-ups with some extra weight or, you know, have, we, we do some like acro yoga where she'll like be up on my feet and we'll, we'll practice some balancing stuff and they absolutely love it. You know, they're totally involved in it and they love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, we, we definitely covered one solution to a major problem that a lot of people have sort of why they don't have gym memberships or why they don't go to a gym or work out is time. I think that's definitely a major issue across the board, across the population, uh, whether you have kids or you don't, is just sort of finding the time to make it work. And, you know, you're probably, there's probably a lot of people who are at home, they have three or four hours before they got to get ready for bed, but their kids are home and they can't figure out when they're going to actually work out. So I think that's, that's a lot of good solutions in there. But I want to talk on another topic that I feel like prevents people from working out or getting into the gym. Just just anxiety and feeling pressure, I guess, from being in a gym and intimidated from being in the gym. So talk on that, touch on that a little bit for me. Yeah, um, there is certainly an intimidation factor when it comes to uh, to the gym environment, especially if it's somebody who's been out of the gym for a long time and maybe is pretty deconditioned or put on some extra weight. Um, since they've last been, you know, physically active, and right, might be a little bit more self-conscious, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that is definitely, uh, you know, something that uh, that that you worry about. I mean, I think what's the best way to go about that? I, you know, we we kind of look at 
I look at it in a way of like, it's developing a strong mindset. And so, um, you know, I guess we can call it discomfort conditioning, meaning get yourself comfortable being, you know, uncomfortable. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Comfortable with discomfort. Um, and there's multiple ways you can do that. If you want, we can talk about ways to do that because it, that those kind of things do cascade into areas of your life, like, you know, situations like where you may feel self-conscious going into an environment that you don't really feel comfortable in. And a gym is definitely one. It's just like anything, right? If you haven't been doing anything, um, or going anywhere or, doing anything, any specific task for a long time, you're not going to be good at it, meaning you're not going to feel comfortable there because you haven't been doing it. So it may mean just showing up and, you know, putting on your hat over your face and going in the corner and doing some work until you feel like you, you, you know, you can feel good about yourself. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think you really have to condition yourself to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and stretch yourself. You know, you don't really grow or, or, you know, grow that, uh, you know, essential uh, self-esteem, if you cannot put yourself into those situations, if you continue to avoid them, what you end up doing is you condition yourself to avoid them more frequently. So it's a lot about conditioning. To be better at that avoiding process. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I'm someone who definitely struggled with social anxiety growing up and you know, being in the gym and in the health industry, like it, it upsets me when I talk to people and they are upset at the atmosphere of the gym and they feel like it's very intimidating and it's very um, discouraging when they see a lot of people who are really in shape and they're not so in shape. And, and that, that upsets me because it shouldn't be like that. The gym should be like a a more open environment, a, you know, more of a sense of community. You know, people are are there to better themselves and, and other people should be supportive of that. And it, it is a shame that that is a thought in people that they get so much anxiety around even going to the gym. But on the other end too, it's, it's a shame that um, people, I don't know, are, are less apt to support somebody they see who is working hard. Like I I don't know. I feel like more people are going to make fun of the person who's out of shape doing something silly than supportive. And that really upsets me. And I always try to look for, I don't know, just look for people who may, might be in their head or discouraged. Or they got their head down. I just try to brighten up their day a little bit or get them to open up. And because like you said, being, having that stronger mindset is really what it comes down to. Cause it's just, it's, it's all that anxiety, all that uh, negative t- self-talk just starts in your head and the quicker that you can pull yourself out of that and stay more positive and like you said like anything else that you get better at it and all of a sudden you know you realize that halfway through your workout you're able to enjoy the workout and then all of a sudden you realize the first five seconds when you walk in the gym your, your heart rate comes up to your you know your, your heart you feel your heart in your throat and then all of a sudden you're able to kind of relax out because you're like you know what i've been here before i'm comfortable this is it i'm gonna be okay um, right. And and look, I think that it's the culture that's been created around this too. We're not individually to blame, but the culture, you, you know, these are the same people feeling self-conscious who are looking at their um, Instagram and Facebook feed and seeing all these pictures of beautiful people or people lifting all these weights or, you know, in bikinis and, you know, in the gym flexing and all these things. And, and nobody posts pictures of, of their, you know, their bad lifts or their, you know, their, <laughs> their, their, their face in the morning when they wake up before makeup. You know, people aren't doing that. You're seeing everybody's putting out this, you know, kind of false, sense, false sense of reality, you know, what, what it really is. And unfortunately, that's all we see. Because, and it's magnified because it's coming at us from all these different channels. And, um, and, and that becomes more of what we think life is actually like. But then when you get out there and you realize it's even when you get into a situation like walking into a gym, that's a little intimidating. Once you're there and once you leave, it's never as bad as what we make it out to be in our head. Right. Yep. Now in your book, Mike, does it kind of help people with that anxiety of kind of introducing them to a program to kind of get involved and start moving or kind of get comfortable with, you know, their start of their fitness journey? Well, we don't talk a lot about that. And I think that would be one of the areas that would be critical when it comes to, you know, hiring a coach or having some sort of 
fitness confidant, somebody you can rely on to help you establish what your goals are and what your what your focus is. So, I mean, yeah, one of the most important things, in, in my opinion, is, you know, setting very clear goals. So it's going to be very hard to get yourself off the couch or get yourself to, to go to the gym or get yourself to do a home workout if you're not clear with what it is that you want out of this. So you really have to take a deep look into, you know, what you want, what your goal is, and have a lot of clarity. There's, you know, really having a defined outcome. I think it's really important. And so that comes down to asking yourself good questions. You know, what kind of experiences do you want to have? Why do you want this? What, you know, there are a lot of tools and tactics that we've used as coaches, you know, via uh, training from Precision Nutrition that has allowed us to, you know, open up that Pandora's box essentially and try to get to the to the root of not just why somebody wants to lose weight or have more energy, but what's the reason behind it? What is it going to do for them? How is it going to change their life? And, you know, once they can connect with that and have some sort of value system, then you can really start putting the wheels into motion on how we can drive forward towards that. Goal-oriented is yeah. the biggest thing for, for a lot of people. And if people are out there listening, kind of, you know, before you say, I'm going to go to the gym, do this, kind of really sit down, like Mike said, and find your your goal and and kind of what's going to drive that. Not just what you want, but why do you want it and, and dig deep into that. Yeah, there well, is a cool also, study. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, there's a cool ahead. study I um I, I you know read just recently and it talked about there were three different groups that uh, were part of this trial. Um, the first group was essentially uh, a group that they gave you know just a a, a command to and I, I don't know how long the study was I, I can look back at it and we can reference it here maybe in the in the notes but um, essentially the first group was given just we want you to work out you know at least one day a week. And it was for the set period of time. And then the second group, they basically said, we want you to work out one day a week. And then we want you to read this motivational quote every day. And then the third group, they said, we want you to, um, you know, do the same thing. We want you to work out once a week. We want you to read this motivational quote every day. And then third thing we want you to do. So they gave them another task was to actually write down when and where they were going to work out. So they actually made them physically write down where they were going to work out and when they were going to work out, what day, what time. So a lot more clarity onto how they were going to make that happen. And so, you know, no surprise, but the first group who just had to work out one day a week was like 20% successful. I think the second group was about 40% successful working out once a week. And the third group, was like a staggering like 91% successful at working out at least once a week just because they wrote it down. And I think another aspect to that success group, which I was just about to say, was having the, the, the steps, right? Having the sort of the minor goals. Like you can have a big goal, but you need to have plans in place or, or checkpoints in place that lead you to that goal. I, I think I, you know, I read this somewhere and it was it just said – you know, a goal without a plan is just a wish. And it's so true. Like I talked to a lot of people in the gym, you know, what are you working out for? Well, I'm trying to do this, this, and this. Oh, well, how is your workout contributing to that? And, you know, thinking, oh, I need to work out is fine and dandy. But if you can't also then think in your head what time you're going to work out and, you know, whatever, when during the day, whenever it fits your schedule, whatever, then you don't have that next step, that piece that's really going to get you to yeah. the workout goal. That makes sense. Yeah. And as a coach, the last question that I ask somebody as we're sitting down in a goal setting session is how are you going to do it? So you may get to a point where this person says, you know, I want to lose five pounds by the end of the month. Great. Um, what are you going to do? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work out three days a week. Great. So we know three days a week and some people would settle for that, right? But there's too much ambiguity with that. There's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of, um, not ambiguity, but there's, there's, there's a lot of like, um, room for error, room for error, right? Yeah. Three days a week. Like what does that mean? 10 minutes each day or right. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. There's, 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 it's too vague. So I always say, great, you're going to work out three days a week. That's what you're going to do. How are you going to do that? And so what I'm looking for there is to nail down some of those specifics. 
you know, how are it with a nutrition goal? I'm going to drink a glass of water every morning. Great. That's, that's nice. But how are you going to do that? How are you going to make sure you're going to do that? And so setting triggers are one of the best ways for you to go about that. Meaning something that's going to alert you to actually do the, the behavior or the habit that's going to then lead to the goal, right? Because we don't have any bearing on the actual, you know, losing five pounds. Right. The only control we have is the process or all those little behaviors and habits that lead to the five pound weight loss. I just got to mention this because you were like one person who I, whose brain I picked like first day I saw you in Equinox. Cause, yeah, I just saw... I'm not going to downplay anything. There are 30 trainers there. You see who the freaking the elites are and who dives into depth with their clients. And just like watching you on the floor, like for a day, I was like, I got to talk to that dude. And I remember picking your brain about um, sort of motivational interviewing assessments um, and empowering people. And, and it's, it's astonishing when you sit down with somebody who, who, who wanted to sit down with you. Right? They wanted to meet with the trainer for an assessment and you ask them what their goal is and then you ask them why and there is a such a long pause. It's like they had a goal in mind but they didn't know why it was their goal. They didn't know how they were going to get it and by just you know, we don't we as trainers don't always have the answers but we can ask the right questions, right? And we can start to lead us to the right answers. So just by stimulating that thought, get those juices flowing, gets things more solidified, gets them more likely to visualize achieving their goals and it just went such a long way and i remember one thing you told me to do too was was talk to them about you know what is in the next four weeks what do you want to accomplish and that is on the smallest scale a goal right like you know people who are like i want to lose 100 pounds i want to be able to deadlift 500 pounds i want to be able to do a marathon that's a long-term goal but Right there and then and there, when you have that person in front of you who is clearly has some sort of self-motivation, they want to start going, they just don't know how, and you can really put it in their court like, what do you want to see in the next four weeks? And it's so great to hear the majority of the answers I hear is, I want to be consistently coming to the gym three or four times a week for a workout. And that's that's just such a great answer in my opinion because then, then you see that, that they're really trying to hook themselves totally. into the process. But I do have to thank you. I do have to thank you for that, Mike. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, good, man. You never know how you affect a conversation sometimes. So that's cool. Now, Mike, I know we kind of mentioned goals and stuff now getting that nailed down first with people that kind of don't go to the gym or are afraid to, and they, they have these goals set out or they listen to this and they find it. How does your book help them kind of, or anyone that's looking to improve their workouts or improve fat burn or build muscle? How does that kind of help them get on the right path for that success driven journey that they're going to start? Yeah. Well, I mean, First of all, the book is certainly incomplete in ways, but I think what it does do is, if you notice, most of the book isn't even really talking about exercise in itself. More of it is about the preparation and, you know, some of the background of, you know, why you don't need all these things. And, and a lot of people rely on resources when at the end of the day, some of the most successful people in, in their respected areas of the world are just extremely resourceful they figure out a way to make it happen. And so setting goals, obviously paramount, but what the book does do is it allows you to essentially have more of a, uh, you know, I would say a smart approach to how you go about it. Meaning somebody who's deconditioned and just starting to work out, you don't want them obviously jumping right into it and doing, you know, CrossFit wad or some sort of high intensity exercise. Their body is not quite adapted to that type of stimulus. And, you know, number two, they may get discouraged because they're going to be, you know, sore and in pain for the next two, three days and, and not going to be able to work out or get off the toilet. So you want to have a slow, steady uh, progression. And so what we did was we basically used just body weight in our, in our method, in our first approach to, you know, this is where you would start because a lot of people want to throw some weights around and, and think that that's the answer. But at the end of the day, most of us haven't, have not mastered our body weight and the challenges that that in itself can provide. So we wanted to show that, 
these are some of the ways that you can adapt just using your body weight to be able to challenge yourself further with what you have. Meaning, you know, some of the basic progressions are going from a a bilateral position to a unilateral position, or maybe changing your base of support by going from, you know, a nice stable bilateral stance into more of a split stance or a, a single leg stance or even changing some of the vector angles, right? So, you know, you have different implements at home where you can, you know, put your hands on your counter and do a push-up if you can't do one on the ground while still maintaining good core position. And then when you're when you can progress lower, maybe you go to two chairs and then maybe you can go to the ground and then maybe you're putting your feet up onto your chair and you're progressing. So, we wanted to show that before you even need any type of weight you can use everything that you already have within your house. If you have paint cans, you have essentially things you can do farmer's carries with or rows. You know, there are so many different implements that you can use in your home to be able to uh, to get a solid workout in without having to ever touch a weight. So we wanted to essentially show people that there is a way to get the work done to achieve the, the thing that you want to achieve. And, you know, you, sometimes you just need you just need it laid out in an organized way. Um, to yeah, understand I agree. that. I so we tried to do that. That overlook yeah. that. Well, don't even think about body weight training. You know, I think we've all read books where it says, you know, do these programs to gain muscle or lose weight, but they all have, you know, resistance training, which ideally we all want to get to. But I think a lot of the population needs to start with just moving body weight. And I know, Matt, we kind of talked about this last time about the squat, you know, just, just getting moving around in, in a squat position to help people kind of feel what's going on. And I think that's great that this book outlines, you know, that you can gain all these beneficial fitness effects at home just doing body weight. And I think that's very underlooked by a lot of people. And sometimes even people don't even realize the different intensities, duration, and frequencies that they can change with body weight workouts that they feel like they're just all going through the motions or stale with them. But definitely check out the uh, variations in this book of all exercises you can do body weight. Yeah, what we also did too is we actually took all of the exercises that we programmed and built into a progression regression table. So basically, you know, here's your starting point. Here's how you can make this exercise easier. Here's how you can make this exercise harder. So people may not want to start with that standard exercise. They may feel like they try that and, oh, this is already easy. So we want to progress them and we wanted to give them the tools to be able to do that. And then same thing with that standard exercise. If it's already too challenging, here's how we regress it. But what we also did was we took all of those exercises that we built into the program and we put them into a, uh, created YouTube videos of them. So if people are, you know, a little bit confused on, you know, how do I do a Bulgarian split squat, well, just go to our YouTube page here and go check it out and we're going to show you exactly how to do it. So we've we've also gone to those lengths as well to make sure that we're putting those um, tools into people's hands. And don't misjudge that, that scrawny, that gumby looking dude in the pictures because he's a strong dude. That's, that is a picture of, of Mike in most of the pictures and I'm just giving him a hard time, but Yo, he's, he looks it looks to be deceiving, but he can front squat more than I can back squat. Also, too, like one of the major things about sort of perfecting your own body weight is just getting a foundation for proper movement. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably learned a lot about that with with Boyles, you know, working at Mike Boyles, and I know you you've been a really strong proprietor of. of perfecting movement and different ways to get back to sort of your primal movement patterns from, from when we were young. Is it safe to say that if I was to do a home workout, all body weight exercise, you know, where would you, what would be sort of your checkpoint to say, okay, you know what? I think I'm ready to add weights. You know, would it be like, if I can complete three sets of 20, am I good? Or, the, you know, what, what are your sort of different parameters there for when it's time to start adding more resistance? Yeah. Well, I, I would first encourage everybody there to make sure that they're listening to their body. So become very in tune with um, all the, you know, senses and sensations that your body's giving you. We're always getting feedback. And a lot of us, as we talked about earlier in this crazy world with all this noise, 
rarely do we actually listen to the signals and the feedback that our body's giving us all the time. So stop and, and pay attention to, you know, what you're experiencing. Um, you know, in that sense, you know, how, how hard, you know, how heavy is, is your heart rate pounding? You know, how sore are you after your workout? Do you even get any soreness at all? Do you get any tightness at all? You know, pay attention to those different things. And so, you know, when you're no longer feeling challenged or, you know, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to come back to what are those goals? Are we setting micro goals, you know, on a monthly basis, you know, which is, you know, this is what I'm looking to achieve this month. If I'm easily hitting that goal, well, then I didn't set the bar high enough and I probably need to challenge myself in, in a, in a different way. If that's within the workout or with, with that's within the intensity of the workout, um, I would, I would look in, in, in that direction. Yep. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Just kind of a case by case scenario. Like if you're if you're squatting and you know we, something feels tight or uncomfortable, then you know look into that a little further. But you know if you're doing push ups and you know you can hit fifteen, twenty, and everything feels easy, then yeah, and you know form feels good, then yeah, you're probably ready to progress yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean if we're looking for benchmarks and things like that, if you can do like a hundred bodyweight squats and, you know, be able to kind of walk up back up your stairs or back down your stairs and be fine. I think, um, I think it's time to move on to some weight. Um, but also like same thing with pushups. I think you get to a certain point, if you can do, you know, let's say like, you know, 30 or 40 pushups pretty easily, you've probably got a really good base of strength, I would say. And, and more, more specifically strength endurance. Um, then yeah, maybe time to start adding some load in some way or changing the vectors or moving to a handstand pushup. So more of your body weight is, is over you. Yeah. You know, there are so many different methods you can go, but I think really, I, I know my thoughts are a little bit more abstract, but really paying attention to that feedback is extremely important. And, and then asking for the advice or the tutelage of, uh, or the, under the tutelage of a coach or some sort of mentor or somebody who's an expert, um, reach out for help. I think a lot of times we look we look at, um, you know, if we're a kid and you know your your dad or mom wants you to learn piano, what do they do? They hire you a teacher. Yeah. You know, if you sign up for sports, you don't just play soccer on your own. You have a coach. You know, we if we want to get better at something, the fastest way is not to waste a whole lot of time figuring out for ourselves. It's to hire or or um, have somebody mentor or coach you that is an expert in that and can help kind of expedite that process for you and get you there faster that is one of the fastest ways to get to a result is to hire somebody who knows yeah, how, we're to, all how to make it happen and who has done it before preaching that on yeah. here is um you know reaching out or you know just asking questions in general to higher ups or you know people with more knowledge you it's always good to refer out to people if, especially if you want to gain better knowledge and and i was gonna say Absolutely. you know it is it is abstract some of your answers but it's good because instead of giving somebody the fish you're telling them to to think about finding a fishing rod and you're empowering them to think about themselves and and be more mindful in their body and i think it goes a long way you know you just because you don't have a definitive answer right away i think it goes a long way to sort of asking a or using a question to answer a question that posed towards you but you know that kind of gets me into so what I want to bring up last was uh, this is great information, but unfortunately what I would feel like is that it doesn't get in front of the right people. You know, there are, you know, you talk about in your book, there, there are 67% of people who have gym memberships never even go. Besides that fact, right? When a Google search, I think it came up like in 2015, 2016, there were 55 million people who had gym memberships. So there is a population of about 150 million people, 150 million adults, excuse me, because we're going to eliminate children out of this comparison. So you're talking about less than about 33% of people who have gym memberships. And of those 55 million people, only 67% or 67% never go, right? So don't lose me on the numbers here, but back to the major population of people who either aren't working out or are just working out at home. Uh, how do you how do you get in front of those people? How do you attract those people? How, where do you find those people? Because those are the people that are so whatever caught up in their routine or so overwhelmed 
uh, just with their own social anxiety or their own mental pressures that they can't even fathom hiring a personal trainer. Mm, A million dollar question. It is. And when you have Um, the real answer, we will not (laughs) broadcast that to the other people because we'll keep that in house. Well, I'll just say that I'll say one quote that I believe with everything I have, which is, (laughs) and I, I, maybe you, I don't know if, I don't know where this came from. Maybe Matt or Eric, you know, the origin, but when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Oh, I think, I think that everybody has to realize what it, what it means for them. Right. What, when are, when is it time? We're very, we live in a very reactive society, you know, the way conventional medicine has been developed to treat, you know, uh, ailments and chronic diseases very pro or, um, very reactively. We don't have a proactive mindset. It hasn't been part of the culture for a long time. It's, you know, wait, wait until it happens and then respond or react to it as opposed to let me get out in front of this. Most people end up not being able to act on on their fitness or their health until something has actually they've gone to the doctor and the doctor said hey you need to lose 20 pounds or you're not going to live for another you know 10 years you know things like that like we live in this society that really is so much more reactive about how we approach those things so how do we do that I, i you know education is the is is huge but even then there's enough information out there there is more information from a Google search than there has ever been in the history of the world at, at today, at this moment in time. And it's only going to get you know, more, more inundated with data. Why then do we still have an obesity epidemic? Why then do we still have, you know, people who are being, you know, having, you know, brain diseases and all these things that can be reversed or, or even prevented with proper nutrition and proper exercise? Um, I mean, it's a million dollar question. I, I wish I had an answer. I I really feel though that people have to be ready. You have to you have to be ready for when that time is right for you. And uh, I can't tell anybody individually when that is for them. Um, I will just say that I am in this business to be able to help those people that are ready. And if if they just want to have a conversation, I'm willing to kind of help them open up that that box and see you know how we can kind of drive them forward. Yeah, and I think that's why we all get in this business is trying to when those people are ready, they're going to come and and that's what we want. We want those people to be ready almost all the time. And we want more people to dive into this and care more about their health and wellness. And I think that's all all we can ask for is just, you know, people being more ready all the time. Yeah, you know, there's a a commercial on TV right now. I saw recently is with uh Common, the rapper and uh he talks about how we're living in an age where we have more information at our fingertips than generations and generations before us. And, and you know, I think it says something about how, like, you know, generations before us like dreamed of having that type of access to information. And at the end, it's just like, but all that matters is what are you going to do with it? And it's so true. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad, uh, but I see it mostly in the newest generation of just being too mm-hmm. comfortable and it creates this um, almost cyclical behavior of just searching and yearning for that most comfortable environment and never never really pushing themselves to challenge themselves or or make themselves uncomfortable and it's a real shame you know I feel I feel like if as society has progressed and uh, you know, from a hundred years ago over, you know, every 10 years, it's just like, we're getting more and more progressed so that we're just trying to be doing everything in the comfort of our own home, sitting around in our boxers, you know? So it just, uh, I don't know. I, I completely agree about how sort of socially we're kind of moving towards a, a weaker route, but we need to realize that and, and make a change and, challenge ourselves and get out there and work hard yeah and i think a lot of it has well especially the the wellness side of it people they know all this information they read it and i don't want to say they deny it but they kind of brush past it until it really affects them or affects a family member and then it's like eye-opening for someone it's like holy 
holy smokes, I have to get in better shape or this is going to happen. And you kind of hate to see when people get to that point because you know it's almost urgent and it's it's that fear. And I just wish that people kind of would realize that at a sooner point. Before, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a, it's a shame because one thing that kills me is like when I see all these commercials on TV for kids' cereals and stuff, and it's like, man, that is like probably 60% just sugar uh and i just i feel like one misstep as a society that we make is um the stuff that we give our children and the way we reward our children and you know using sweets and ice cream and candy as as a reward system it just sets kids up for sugar addiction when they get older like i saw a video on facebook the other day and this little girl's like five years old and she's I can only think of pancakes and right now and pancakes and syrup. I want pancakes and syrup. And everyone in the video is commenting like, oh, that's so funny, so cute. And I'm just like, that that little person is, is literally sugar addicted to the point where she can't get her mind off of it cognitively. So You know, too, it's like not a lot of people think about this, but our primal instincts as, as a species, we are wired for comfort survival and and you know protection or guarding ourselves our our job is to sustain life for as long as possible and so that means doing whatever you know protects us as much as possible so i mean i'm reading a great book called sapiens right now and it talks a lot about the evolution of of mankind and the history and you know we we were we we're wired that way. We we're wired to you know to run away comfort. from saber tooth tigers, yeah. right? And yeah. and seek comfort. And so, unfortunately, that has found its way into a world where there are so many different options and so many different pleasures and so many you know different things that were generated or modified or produced to be able to make our lives easier. Um, technology, for one, can be it can be an absolute gift. It can help us, you know, connect. It can help us have this, you know, chat across the country right now. But at the same time, it can distract us. And, you know, while we're changing our, you know, stereo in the car, end up, you know, getting into an accident and, you know, something really bad happening. So there's, there's, there's good and there's bad about it. Right. And so we just really have to um, kind of, kind of step back and realize, Hey, we're, we're, we're kind of wired this way. And, in order for us to achieve, in order for us to get out of that comfort zone, in order for us to strive towards something um, that we need to accomplish, we kind of have to override that nature and push ourselves, you know, in a way to, uh, to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Just a big balancing act. Um, well, we still have a little bit of time. I kind of wanted to talk to you guys because um, I know that both you and Menchi are precision nutrition uh, certified. So I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about, as a trainer, what is your thoughts about the value that it brought as a tool to your tool belt and how you find it's most effective with your clients? And why don't you go first, Eric? Um, the biggest value I brought away with it, kind of what we were speaking about earlier, is goals. A lot of people think that, oh, you have a nutrition certification. You're just going to tell me what to eat, how to eat, you know, the whole nine yards and what's good, what's bad. But really, it's more of an approach of how can you change your behavior and approach to nutrition to get to your goal or get to you want to be? How can you be healthier? And whether that is, you know, taking week by week and adding a goal in is key for a lot of people. And I think that can be applied to exercise as well, or almost anything in life, having a certain goal and then create it into a behavior goal, following through with that goal at any means, getting it done brings back to what Mike said earlier about bringing that mindset. And then that makes that goal seem easy and that task seem easier. Then you move on and pick another task. So I think it, it helps immensely just kind of structure the way that the mind works and get someone on board with why they should be doing something and how this is going to progress them and almost challenge them is like, see if they can actually do it because getting out of their comfort zone is, is the hardest thing for them. But they know at the end of the day that it's right. But would you have used that approach before you had the precision nutrition certification or, or that was coming something that you learned from the precision nutrition certification to apply with people? I think it was it was very well drilled in the precision nutrition that it was almost like, hey, you got to use this, and 
you know, it's it was crazy for me for me not to use it because I always had conversations about nutrition and stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't ever kind of like in depth and goal based and you know what what's the best approach. And I think that really kind of solidified that gap for me as a trainer of putting this together and now putting with your program how this whole thing's going to work work and the more focus on that really helps rather than like you know you need more vitamin c or you know whatever the the nutrient density is and because people don't really care about that stuff they want to know if they do this they'll lose five pounds of of weight in three weeks of time and like mike said what are you going to do to get there to lose that five pounds yeah so you found it as a really good certification not only to help you know, coaching people with nutrition, yeah. but also Nutritional facilitate mindset. behavior change. So for me, I think if you look at the way the book was structured, um, the first half of the book is essentially the theory and the science. And yeah. the second half of the book is kind of that coaching application. And so it was a perfect marriage of how to deliver the information to, to allow us to be better coaches of, you know, habit and behavior change and, and, you know, helping people achieve their goals through those different modalities. I love understanding the why and the what of, you know, behavior modification. I love learning about macronutrients and, you know, and all the different, you know, you know, biochemistry and how your body interacts with all these things. It's all great information, but I think you also have to have this good marriage of great. Now, how do I take this information and relay it to a a client in a way that that's going to actually resonate with them? That's not going to be over their head because I may understand micro micro and macronutrients and biochemistry, but they don't give a you know, a crap about any of that stuff. They just want to know that I can help them lose 10 pounds. So for me, it was under the, the coaching application part of that of that certification was um, worth its weight worth, worth its weight in gold because what it allowed me to do was take all that information and not throw it out the window. You keep it in your pocket, but it it comes down to how do I find a way to intrinsically motivate this person, or how can I find this person to intrinsically motivate themselves? Um, because we know that you know science and and studies show that people who make their own choices to do things are much more likely to stick to them than somebody who gives them, you know, the answers or gives them the choices that if they come up with them themselves, they're much more likely to accomplish it. So the coaching method has taken me to that point to allow me to coach my clients that way. And so, you know, precision nutrition level one was great, but number two was uh, level two was taking it a whole step further. Um, I don't know if you want me to go down that, that pole, but you know, that was a pretty intense program as well. Yeah, go ahead. I want to hear about it. I didn't do, I didn't see value because I'm, you know, Mr. Skeptical over here. I didn't, I didn't fall into doing PN1 and uh, partly because I did see there was a PN2. I was like, oh man, they just want, it's just a buy-in thing. It's probably a PN3, PN4. And then at the end, they're going to measure my feet and levels. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, I would say this, I can echo what Eric said about, um, you know, it being, it, it, it does not pertain to just nutrition coaching. It pertains to all aspects of coaching. does not matter um, if it's fitness, if it's sleep or regeneration, whatever you're trying to coach the client to improve on or do better. Um, this level two has just an amazing methods. Now, yes, there is dealing with, you know, special populations and they go all the way from dealing with people with eating disorders to, um, how you help, you know, transgender people with supplementation. Um, they go in so many, you know, different aspects and areas of, of scenarios that you might encounter as a coach. But what I loved about it is, and their method of teaching was it's a year long program, 365 days, for an entire year, you have a mentor. This person is basically overseeing. You know, you have a, a, a essentially a um, a lesson for the day. You may have uh, a either a case study that you have to you know write, or you may have a, a multiple choice test that kind of covers some of the topics that you you went over the last week or two. And so, what they make you do is over the course of those you know fifty, I think it's fifty or fifty two weeks. Uh, almost a year, they will actually make you um, implement the habits first. And then 
So they do that for two weeks and then they have you coach your uh, client of yours for another two weeks. And then there's a lot of reflection and a lot of um, discussion in the Facebook group. And there's a whole lot of collaboration with other coaches as well. But what it does is it gets you to experience what it may be like to implement those habits and understand personally how hard it is. Because some of those things were really hard for me to do. Um, some of the habits that I would be coaching my clients to do. And so it gave you this perspective now from a client's point of view to say, wow, I really now have a lot more empathy than I ever had in the past on how hard creating changes with and, and, and moving closer towards these goals that, I, that they want to accomplish. Yeah. And so it really changes the way you approach coaching and the empathy that you bring into those scenarios. And so what it did was at the, at the end of the day, it made me – a much better listener. It made me a much better communicator. And I have gotten, I mean, so much better results with my clients since I've gone through that process because of the conversations that I can have with people. And because I, I now know how hard it is to, to go through some of these you know changes. So I think it's safe to say that if you're somebody who you know you have a lot of um, – behaviors you need to change and adjust and it's not just about like losing a couple pounds or getting back into a gym routine but you have a lot of behaviors that are poorly contributing to your health that you would almost want to seek out a trainer who has a a pn1 or pn2 certification is that fair to say i would definitely say yeah if you're struggling with some of those things you know more of a mental roadblock as opposed to you know just you know, you just need a program. Yeah, you you definitely would want to seek out somebody who is probably the most reputable company that I know of that works off of a behavior change model. Um, so let me let me throw you an example real quick. You know, say that I'm we'll say I, I'm good at working out. I have a solid um, breakfast. I have a solid lunch, but then you know, right around two three o'clock, I just have this sweet tooth kick in and I try eating a couple, um, you know, almonds and snack on a little things. I have a glass of water cause you know, in case I'm just, I need something like that. Uh, but then I still, I get home and I still want something sweet. What, you know, what was, what would be like your small behavior change goal to, uh, sort of get that, get out of that habit? Well, I would ask you first, I'd have a question. What is, of course you would. what is, <laughs> what is doing all that preventing you from from achieving that you want to achieve? A downward spiral. So if I start eating a little sugar around three or four o'clock, I always crave some type of dessert after dinner, and then I just don't feel like I'm per- giving my best performance the next day. Mm. So this is about. Would you say that it's about? When you say performance the next day, meaning for your workout or for your energy levels? Energy levels, feeling maybe lethargic or feeling – I feel like maybe I have more food sitting in my stomach. I might feel a little bit more bloated. Just just general – yeah, just general feeling. Just feeling poor. And so you'd like to feel better is what you're saying. You'd like to – how would you like to feel instead? Well, I'd like to go through my day and not have that that sweet tooth craving. Mm, okay. Because I, I can only get willpower to work for me for so long until I just finally give in because I'm sitting there watching a movie and I just want to, you know, I'll, I'll just go have like, you know, a couple dark chocolate chips or I'll just have a couple uh, cinnamon bears. Mm-hmm. And have you been doing that for a long time though? We'll say yes. Okay. So you just then understand that this is not going to be a, something that you can fix right away. But what we need to do is implement some strategies that allow you to be able to, um, you know, move in the right direction essentially and start to build, build up some, some confidence in being able to, you know, make better choices. Would you so agree? Maybe, maybe the first step for, for this, one of these strategies is uh, you tell the person, you know, let's try to not have a, uh, the, your first suite until like 5 p.m. Is that a fair w- sort of a, a judgment of what you mean by implementing strategies? Like I'm looking for like an example. I'll try to just try to give you like a case study example. Yeah. And you know, for well, our listeners, kind of kind of see how your thought is in kind of kind of tackling these issues. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I'm going to, I'm going to approach it in a way of, I'm going to keep nailing down questions until I get them to almost come to, to light of it themselves. I don't want to give them the answer. I want them to, I want them to think that they came up with the idea through my questions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because if I do that, it makes them far more successful. Like I said, it becomes an intrinsic motivator then, because now I just, when I, when I first asked you the question, um, that first question, you paused for a long period of time before you answered. That's what I want to hear. If I can, if I can stop somebody dead in their tracks with my question and make them really think about it, I'm, I'm teaching them something about themselves that they didn't know prior to me coming into the equation. That well, I think sense. we're, I think we're playing a little game of mental chess because I was looking for yeah. whatever answer would give me or whatever answer you, that to respond to your question that would get you to give me the answer that I think would um, best relate to the most amount of people listening to our podcast. So it was probably nice. a little, little chess game there back and forth there, but <laughs> could have, uh, but if yeah, we go back to I, that, I, so- I really, I love how you, how you're just basically you're empowering the person and having them sort of, you're, you're right. Right. Again, you don't have the answer, but you have the questions and you're stimulating that thought you're stimulating that search for an answer. And ultimately, if they come up with a strategy, it's going to be something that they obviously feel like they can uh, accomplish. It might be a challenge, but it's, it's accomplishable. And you know, I feel like I'd fall into a trap more so of, of maybe I'd give somebody too much of a goal that was a little too overzealous. And then if they don't hit that goal, that's even more demoralizing. So I do yeah. like how you uh, well, how you word that. Let's 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 stick with that example real quick, and we'll just say I would then ask you, you know, when you said you get that first craving around two o'clock, right? Or is it two or three o'clock? Yeah, we'll say three. Three o'clock. So you know, when three o'clock comes around, how do you know? Like, what tells you that you you're craving that? Do you just you know you, you get the sensation, or like what you know? What is your what happens? I would assume uh, it's like a probably like a a salivation and a sensation and then they probably start to you know think about sweets and they start to look around for maybe something that is sugary or like a piece of gum or something like that that'd be probably where i would think so i'd say like can you can you prevent yourself from grabbing for something like how long how long can you prevent yourself from grabbing for something let's say like can you go can you wait till like four o'clock until you do that like would you be able to wait an hour if you were to notice it i think i think if it were me particularly yeah i mean i would be able to kind of push it aside distract myself or eat something and get so full that i don't want to eat sweets or like for me, my my sweet tooth comes in like later at night, so it's really easy for me to just be like, "Oh, I'm just I'm gonna go brush my teeth because I'm just gonna go to bed after that. I don't want to have to brush my teeth again." Um, so right. just just kind of like put myself to bed rather than get like a midnight snack or something like that. Yeah, um, but I, Look, I the, do- key, the key with it is to just understand um, that you're even feeling that way. So many people don't, like we talked about earlier, is we, we don't pay attention to those, uh, to the feedback our body's giving us. When, when we're getting that feedback, it's telling us something. So pay attention to it. There's no right answer for any, you know, one person in, in the scenario. I think at the end of the day, it's like, you've got to even know that you're craving it and that it's, it's, it's what you shouldn't be doing um, before you prevent yourself from doing it or try to hold off from doing it for a while or make a better decision or a better choice. You still have to first be aware that it's even going on. So for that person, I would say if I'm going to come up with a strategy, whenever you feel a craving, write, like grab a piece of pen and paper and write down, you know, you know, I'm getting a craving or something right now. Like it'll bring it right to the top of your mind. And, you know, then you're going to be thinking about it. And if you think about it enough, you're either going to cave into it or, (laughs) you know, you're going to be able to hold off. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that answer. That's all I was looking for. That's, that's great. Um, very yeah, roundabout way to get there, but <laughs> yeah, no, and I wish we could, uh, wish we had more time to keep going into this stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I would consider this like an interview and Mike, we'd love to have you on the podcast indefinitely. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, this has been great. And for those of you who are still listening, how do I go about finding this ebook? So to get the ebook, um, you could just go to our our uh, website, which is www.goldenhomefitness.com backslash ebook. Um, no hyphen, just E-B-O-O-K. And then you can just download it right there. Great. Awesome. Check out Mike Urso's um, guide, Working Out at Home ebook. Definitely worth the information. It's like 30 pages, takes you about 20, 30 minutes to read. Definitely worth a read. And uh, I wanted to dive into some more stuff about mushrooms and different micro and macronutrients, but we're going to talk about that next week. And, uh, you know, I always like to kind of end with some type of closing statement. So, Menchie, do you have one? We'll let, we'll let Mike kind of get the feel for it. Ask yourself why you aren't getting to where you want to be. Look inside yourself. What is stopping you? Start asking yourself those questions. What are the roadblocks that are stopping you? Really have that mindset to go change who you want to be, what you want to be, and where you want to be, because that's going to change everything around you and change other people too. I love it. Wow. I'd like to say nothing that in depth, because I I guess I should have gone first, because now it's hard to follow up from that. But um, I think one motivating factor can be uh, summed up with this quote and, uh, you know, Three months from now, imagine yourself and you're going to want to thank yourself for starting today. So don't put it off anymore. Get going. Get started. Nice. All right, Urso. You ready? You want me to give it a shot? Yeah. So yeah, don't, don't trip and fall. No, man. Here we go. So when you're stuck in a mental rut, right? which we all get stuck in a mental rut at times. My suggestion would be to do something that's physically hard, right? And you've got to do that because it's something that tells you that, and it tells your brain that you're in control. You've got to take control of that situation. Um, cold shower, great way to do that. You know, drop down, do a bunch of push ups, some squats, do something physically challenging in that moment when you're stuck in that mental rut. And what you're going to end up doing is reconditioning, reconditioning yourself um, so that you can snap out of those moments almost immediately when they do come up in the future. Recondition yourself. I love it. Great quote. And uh, yeah, if we weren't over an hour now, I could probably keep talking off what you just said for like another 15 minutes because that is that is uh that is some really good advice and i'm so happy to be able to be chatting with two brilliant people and just look at me as the uh the uh what do they call that person who in in the debate the the facilitator or whatever moderator moderator. Moderator. i'm just simply going to be the moderator the fly on the wall (laughs) Learning from you two guys, and this has been wonderful. Uh, Mike Urso, everybody, check out his ebook. Um, we're going to be having him on the podcast from here on out. And next week, I want to talk more into the nutrition side of things. I know we talked a little bit about it with Precision Nutrition, but we're going to talk more next week about macronutrients and micronutrients and what you're getting, what you're missing, and what you might be getting too much of. All right. That will conclude the Think Fitness Life podcast. Find us, subscribe to us. Stay tuned next week.